Hi, everyone. Hopefully, everyone is doing safe. <laughs> Sorry, um, let me just uh, cut that out. So, yes, hopefully, everyone is doing well and keeping safe. Can't believe it's August already. 2020 is nearly over. I can't believe it's been another year. Today, I'll be talking to Tati DePunk from Instagram. She has been developing a story that takes place in the 18th to 19th centuries in Imperial Russia. She's always been a huge fan of Tolstoy's War and Peace, and this story is a bit of a homage to her love for that book, as I understand. Her story has been in the works for many years. When we first met in 2016, she had reimagined the main character, then called Andre, as a serf who later becomes a Cossack. In 2020, she's finally come back to his story. My first question to you is, Andre is now called Gleb. So, how did you come to this name? Why do you think Gleb is a better name for Andre? It's, uh, it's actually sort of a interesting process how that name came to be. It's actually because one of our previous conversations led to the creation of another character who's actually a descendant of this character. And of course he carried that name. So I do have a character named Andre, but he is in the 20th century, you know, just having dealt with the Russian Civil War and the rise of communism. So he's a descent of this character. So I figured even though like in many families, you know, everyone's naming their kid after their father and so on and so on. Um, I just felt it would be better as an individual to give him a different name to differentiate, you know, this character from Andre in the 20th century. So um, I was trying to look for a name that would fit him. And I thought Gleb would be a good name. You know, it's, it's a very good solid Russian name. It's pretty popular it's kind of timeless it's sort of like Constantine like no matter what time period it is in Russia somebody's bound to be named Constantine or Gleb you know those are kind of like safe names they're not like names that go out of style like say Arkady like I mean unless your parents a hipster in Russia I don't really see a lot of modern Russian people with the name Arkady or something so I think Gleb is a safe solid name like you know like I said like uh, you know Constantine and names like that Mm, I see. What's Gleb's surname, by the way? Uh, his surname, I don't have. I don't have it planned like pre before his Cossack identity, but because he is um, Andre's uh, progenitor, you know, the originator, so to speak, progenitor, progenitor uh, ancestor, if you want to call it, um, it will be Novoshkinov. With you know, okay. Yeah. So we're still He's sticking newly baptized, right? I think you told me before. Yes, yes, it does. And ironically, um, well, not ironically, but surprisingly, a friend of mine from Russia, uh, she told me she was really impressed that I knew a name like that. And, and of course, you had helped me find that name because she said there's only like maybe 10 different families with that name because it's kind of a name that a lot of people change in modern times because nobody really wants a long name like that. And also like, Nobody really wants a name like that says newly baptized or no new convert. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, That's so. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. She so went on a boat with a guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh -huh, yeah. So like, what is yeah. the reason why um, his last name is Novokshinov? What was the reasoning behind that? I think it was because I, well, I was looking into like Cossack uh, surnames and a lot of them are kind of a wild uh, 
salad bag, if you will, of names. Um, some of them, you know, don't necessarily have, you know, like that nice core, you know, Slavic sound to it because, you know, Cossacks are sort of a, a conglomeration of different ethnic groups and stuff like that because it's, it's a very, if you will, it's, it's sort of Bohemian. And I, and I did read where you have various different ethnic groups being compiled and you know, a good number of them had taken names like that or related to something either religious or like a quality or something. Um, and something like Navashkanov would not be such a far stretch uh, for, you know, say, 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 say a Cossack kind of wants to have a more Russian sounding name because he might have like a, like an, you know, like an ethnic name, and he sort of wants something that's like a little bit easier for people to remember or pronounce, he might go with something like that. Um, you know, some might just, you know, kind of take a, a first name and then kind of add a suffix to it and then just go with that. So I think that's why I, I when I saw that and I thought, well, this works really good. It has a nice sound to it. And it sounds logical because, you know, a number of you know, people who would, you know, take up the identity of Cossack or, or be involved in that, you know, would probably, you know, take such a name. It's not a common name, but at the same time, it's not an impossible name as, as, as well. Mm. Okay, I see. Yeah. Originally, I recall that you chose this surname because he was Kalmuk or Tartar. And the implication was that they were newly converted to Orthodox Christianity, right? Right. That was that mm -hmm. was initially in that in incarnation of the story. Yes. Mm -hmm. But now that he's only, I believe, half Tartar, how does that change anything? Because his surname is still from his father, right? Uh, it's it's not really. No, his. Oh, surname, no, no. Sorry. Yes. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, I think. Well, here's the thing. Um, Gleb in this story, I think he has because his arc is very is very different. I mean, the concept is still relatively in the nutshell the same but um his name so i don't have his name prior to him taking up a cossack identity i haven't thought of that yet but i think when he does take up the cossack identity he's not taking up the name of his foster dad really um i think he wants to his his foster dad encourages him to take up his own surname and not rely on anybody for his identity you know mm, i see mm -hmm. for his identity and um i think i think gleb likes that name you know it sounds it sounds cool it sounds um you know how do i say it uh it it, ha it has it has sort of a how do I say? I, I think it. I think it symbolizes a lot of things for Gleb because I think Gleb chose it when he was at a very uh, vulnerable state in his life at a very uh, young age, and I think he was very eager just to get rid of his past and just start things new. So it's not really so much about religious conversion, but more or less about uh, being reborn as a as a different person, mm -hmm. you know, and even you know taking on different names and such. I think that makes sense because baptism is kind of like being reborn again, right? It's basically like a symbolism for rebirth. So rather than being converted to Christianity, it's just about him taking on the new identity of being a Cossack. Yes, essentially mm -hmm. it is. It is. Yeah. So it, it has less to do with any religious ideology. Um, and it's more or less um, 
becoming a new person, you know, having a new identity as a Cossack, a new life. Um, you know, you're no longer that, you know, that that young serf from the estate. You know, you are now on your own. You are you're a free man. You can do what, you know, ever you bloody well please. I mean, well, you know, with responsibly, but I mean you're 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 the master of your own fate. Mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm, yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Okay. And previously, why had you chosen the name Andre? I had always loved the name Andre. I love how it's spelled in Russian. I think it looks very sexy. Of course, in Russian, it's pronounced like Andre. So, you know, like most of the time we say Andre because we're thinking of like, um, like the French variation, which makes sense because, you know, like in the high literate circles, people are speaking French. So they're going to use that variation. But I've always liked the name Andre or Andre. And I like that it means man, you know, which is it's just basically Greek for man, you know, Andros. And I feel like that's kind of like a good name to start off with because you're just like, oh, this is a man, you know, this is a person, a human, you mm-hmm. know. And I've always liked it. And it also means manly too, which we can contest that <laughs> in the 20th century, where he's very mm-hmm, manly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I manly. see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good ideas. Yeah. So yeah. My second question is about who Gleb ends up with. So in the past, I remember that you always had a lot of problems determining who he would eventually marry. Yeah. Now, as you told me, he is going to marry Aysun, who is an Armenian who grew up in the Turkish Empire. How did you decide that he was going to end up with Aysun out of all the different love interests that you had previously brainstormed for him? I think it's because I soon makes the most sense. I think there was the most chemistry that was shown. There was most dynamic. The story was more logical and there was more to establish their connection. Like they had more of an experience to lay a foundation for um, a solid marriage because the other love interests were kind of shoehorned in. Um, Some of them were pretty ridiculous. Like Lolly's story was just, so convoluted it bordered on a parody and Donya was lifeless like Donya had as much animation as a pillow (laughs) yeah was Lolly that convoluted I don't really remember I if I recall correctly I was like I was sort of going back on like little notes I had taken and crazy stuff I posted on DeviantArt um apparently um I think I think I was gonna have something where Andre was like dealing with Georgians and he was forced to marry like this Georgian chieftain's daughter and they kind of hated each other at first. Well, she didn't really hate him. She just thought it was weird. Like, mm. uh, but he didn't want to just like drag this, you know, little woman around. And I guess they eventually fell in love or something. It was pretty ridiculous. Um, although I liked designing Lolly, you know, she's kind of fun to draw with all those pretty Georgian dresses because I love Georgian fashion. It's like bomb, but um, it it was pretty silly because I mean, how do you get yourself in a situation like that? Like, couldn't he just like, after he gets to the Russian border and he's in more like advanced Russian stuff, maybe he could just like drop her off somewhere like, "Uh, here, I'll drop you off in this town. Bye. And then, you know, leave her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. how did Gleb and I soon meet? That's a very good question. Um, it's it it sort of deals with a main plot point that I've had I've always had. Um, so basically, um, you know, Gleb is involved in the various uh, Turkish conflicts, 
that were affecting the Russian Empire at this time, and um, and then you know how do I say uh, we'll kind of delve into the morality and ethics of it later. But essentially, uh, he gets captured by a Turkish officer and he's taken prisoner, and I guess he's taken deeper into Turkish territory, and I was sort of trying to figure out what would be the pivotal point of how they meet because it's it's one thing for you to encounter someone but it, it's one thing to have something that makes you want to go forward and interact with a person and and then help them and risk a lot of things you know what would prompt a very cautious smart person like i soon to do that you know because she is pretty smart i mean to survive you know what is basically servitude and kind of like softcore, if you softcore slavery in the Turkish Empire at that time, as a young kid and then growing into a you know young woman, you have to be pretty bloody smart, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was trying to think of, and also like I said, Gleb is um, he is nowhere near as um, you know. He, here's the thing: like Andre is hot-headed. So 20th century Andre, he's hot-headed, he's bullheaded, um, but he does have sort of a very nice goodness about him that people like, you know what I mean? Like he may be, you know, a bellowing bull, but, you know, he is a very good and loyal friend and he can be cheerful and funny when he wants to. Gleb, on the other hand, um, I just sort of came to the realization that, you know, Gleb is just very, very cold, um, almost... Uh, just has kind of like a he's just by default stern so he he has like he has stronger sishamaru vibes than kai does i think mm -hmm. i think Kai failed on that you know mm -hmm. um so what would prompt someone like as soon i soon to help him out uh i'm just sort of i'm i'll think i'll just throw it out here for right now i think essentially what happens is i think i soon is you know, traveling to go to her um, new position because after she, her old position kind of ran out, she's going to this new position and I guess she's traveling along a road and I'm trying to think of what would lead to some sort of, you know, some sort of conflict uh, between her and maybe this Turkish, uh, Turkish official and his um, subordinates. And I'm not sure how that would go, um, uh, but I, I think there is something like that. And I think, you know, Gleb is thinking about using that distraction to escape, and he does. But I guess he has sort of an attack of consciousness. So he decides to go back and help Isun, even though that means he gets captured and stuff, recaptured again. Um, so I think that that's what happens. I think that leaves a very deep impression on Isoon that this guy would just go ahead and get himself mm -hmm. recaptured to help her out. And I think that's what prompts her to risk everything and help him out. And like I said, she does have her own motivations for this too. She, you know, would like to get, you know, get the heck out of the Turkish empire and, and, you know, go for, you know, be, be, be her own be the master of her own fate as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's really great. 
from what oh, yeah, you have yeah. told me. Yeah, it's yeah, really great. You. you know, it's coming together really well. And I think, you know, based on what we've learned about character development, this is much more natural than what you had, you know, 2016. When you were yeah. not really sure how they met and you always changed everything pretty much all the time. Exactly, exactly. I think 2016 was a very much a train wreck, a kaleidoscopic train wreck all the time. You never knew what train wreck you were going to open the door and find out. Well, I don't think it's a train wreck. You did some really great stuff back in 2016. I thought your research was really well done. You know, you had so much knowledge of the time period and everything. It was just that sometimes it got a bit confusing because you changed a lot of things all the time. So I didn't know when you changed something, for example. Right, right. I I, th I, I believe you're right about it. Um, it's, I think, I think that's always been a problem with my works is that they change and constantly evolve. And it's nice when you finally reach a point where it finally all makes sense and you don't have to change it. Like it's good, it's cut, you know, put it mm -hmm. on, put it on the, you know, the, however they say in film, cut, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think Aisun was always one of my favorite characters in this series because she was so lively and she was, you know, she stood out from the cast, really. Like, she was also mischievous, you know, she really had a zest for life. She does, she does. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, and I, I think that's, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of depth to her, too. Like, not, not only is she mischievous, she likes to play pranks, you know, um, she... Uh, you know, she has a lot of energy and zest, you know, which, which makes a nice foil for someone like Gleb. Um, you know, like I said, it's a little bit like Gerda and Kai, only in a, in a more different dynamic, you know. Um, but I think also, I think I was thinking about this last night. I think that I soon, given her experiences, I mean, even though, you know, there's nothing like of that nature that, you know, we were discussing that we would not have mm -hmm. much of that. Um, I think she still has a lot of trauma and, you know, you know, sad things happening to her. Um, I think, I think maybe she kind of has sort of a sadder, darker side to her, um, you know, a bit like, like Anthe from Utena, but, mm -hmm. but not like, not like that, like mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. dream like that, you know, <laughs> but I, I think she does have a lot of, I think one of her biggest fears is being, you know, left alone, I think, or, or not having, or, or being stranded with no help. I think that's, those are her greatest fears and just being abandoned, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, and I, I think that, you know, it, it plays a kind of a big part of shaping her personality. And I think that's why she does a lot of pranks and mischief. And she always tries to be cheerful because I think she's always trying to run away from that, that, that great dark thing of of depression and fear. Mm-hmm. That's very realistic. Yeah. You know, a lot yeah, of the times exactly. the people who are the most cheerful are actually the most depressed. Exactly. Mm -hmm. exactly. So mm -hmm. true. Yeah. So she she does have to, you know, really deal with a lot of that that dark stuff. And I think it kind of kind of comes out, it emerges more as she, you know, develops kind of a at first a tumultuous bond and then finally a a loyal bond with uh, with Gleb. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How does yeah. Gleb deal with you know his darkness his inner darkness compared to Isun? 
That's a very good question. It's our, it's it's kind of the opposite, really, where Isoon is cheerful and zesty and, you know, all that. Um, I think Gleb, because of his, well, I think I think Gleb's fears are losing people. He doesn't want to get attached to people because he's done it about three times in his life mm -hmm. and it's been devastating for him. And it's really hard for him to recover because it's so hard for him to open up. I mean, he's very... Um, he just doesn't want to trust people because he just he's just very very cynical like he's the most cynical man on earth you know and um, I think how he deals with it I believe that he just sort of um, freezes himself from the outside you know from within out you know mm -hmm. and I, I think he he just doesn't allow himself to feel happy or have a good time um, he's mostly, like I said, by default, he is just on cruise control. He is very, very cold and stern. He actually made, he would probably make Kylo actually cheerful by comparison. Because you know? <laughs> yeah. at, least, at, least, at least Kai's kind of like family oriented, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, Gleb isn't that way. I, I think Gleb also is kind of ignoring the pain of loss or the, and, the, and the impending fear of loss. Um, by not getting attached to anybody in the future, so he plans. And I think also kind of throwing himself into ambition, you know, like of higher military achievements, like mm -hmm. um, he wants to get into the more organized branches of military. So he's kind of becoming part of those Cossacks that want to be a little bit more, um, I guess, for lack of a better word, more westernized, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because, you know, there is kind of like, um, there is kind of like sections, if you look at it, of the military history of Cossacks, where some of them are more ethnic and more loosely banded, you know, and that's where we kind of get the stereotypes, like the dresses and stuff, mm -hmm. like the Georgian stuff and the caps and all that. Mm -hmm. And then you have the more like westernized ones, and they're the ones that kind of adapted more of the um, standard uniform and organization. So they were kind of able to kind of, um, earn their place uh with with you know like imperial stuff and everything mm, i see so, yep. so sort of like like the like the dawn host compared to the other host like mm -hmm. you know like dawn host is obviously very westernized it's very like rooted in standard imperial stuff and then you know try to compare that host you know that group or cossack nation if you will to like something like you know ural cossacks or something mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so Gleb is from the Don host, right? Yes, he's from the mm -hmm. Don host. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, so it's like the most biggest organized one. It's the most like westernized one. Um and you know, it's it's the one that we have the most information about. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense because it really how do I say they really stuck their thumbs in the pies of, of Imperial Russia, you know. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Before, when Gleb, I mean Andre, was half Kalmyk, was he supposed to be from the Don host, or was he from like the Kalmyk host? Well, essentially, there is a Don Kalmyk host, so there oh, is. Okay. Yeah, so so the, the the Don has a separate but associated branch of their host, which is Don Kalmyk, because the way the way everything was situated, you know, like the the Don host is here, and then like the Don Kalmuks are right here. So um the the Don Kalmuks they they pretty much adapted like a lot of what the Dons were the other Dons were doing, like adopting like a lot of Western stuff, you know. And mm -hmm. I mean and you can see that like in 
photographs from you know the the civil war and stuff you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh it, so it makes kind of an interesting addition to that um so yeah th that actually that's actually one of the reasons why i kind of went with that because i thought well here's a connection it'll work we'll see the formation of this you know um but unfortunately there wasn't that much information on that because that was mm -hmm. kind of in its infancy um and it how do i say it it it, it kind of fell apart because I just didn't want to go forward with it because it was starting to feel wrong for all the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have enough information on that because they didn't really establish themselves that closely, um, you know, with being part of the Dawn until like 1870s, 1880s, and then, you know, further into the, where, where the, like the, the whole Civil War thing happened and everything. Mm -hmm. I see. Mm -hmm. right. yeah. So another question I have for you is, how strongly does Gleb feel about his Cossack identity? Does he ever feel like he doesn't really fit in because of his roots? Or does he ever feel like, you know, maybe this isn't for me? Or is he the type of person who's like, yeah, this is for me? I believe he's always, as soon as he, as soon as he got into it, he felt that this was for him because he never felt totally comfortable or fitting in as a serf. I mean, he's always had that, that kind of fierce drive to be, you know, to do his own thing, to decide what he wants to do, to have his own agency. And I think he wants to be with people who also have that because mm -hmm. He, he doesn't like the idea of being dictated to or being subordinate to anything. Now, I mean, he believes in working together with, you know, someone or some people in order to achieve a goal, but never, never in something that, you know, demands for you to be subservient and just let some jackass decide your whole fate. If you just, oh, you know, mess up one little thing. Oh, you know, you're dead, you know. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That makes sense, because as a serf, he was really powerless, and he saw yeah. how the powerlessness affected Petya as well, even though he wasn't a serf. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Ironically, Petya, who was in, like, maybe one of the highest positions mm -hmm. you could have on the estate, virtually had no power. In fact, it's it Petya kind of envies a little bit of the freedom mm -hmm. that uh, Gleb has, and also mm -hmm. the fact that Gleb doesn't have the unfortunate stuff that Petya exactly. has to Mm hmm. That makes sense why he wants to take his own you know, future into his own hands. He doesn't want to become another Petya. Exactly. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to end up like him because you know, that's pretty sad. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. 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 So in this incarnation, Gleb is half Tartar, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I, I think with that, it makes things a lot more easier to work with um it makes sense you know um but at the same time when most people look at him you know it, the first thing that'll come to their mind is that he's not your average fair you know slavic dude like someone like vidoff or like you know <laughs> barry kelly bond you know what i mean <laughs> he's not that <laughs> um or you know like run of the mill i mean i don't want to say run of the mill but you know like uh, more average citizen like uh, what's his name? Is that Saint? Yes. Oh, 
what's his name? I know I could see it spelled before me. Asainen. Asainen. Oh yeah, Asainen, the poet, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. he's not he's not Asainen. And you know, people say, okay, uh, I guess he's something uh, dark hair, dark dyed. Mm-hmm. Um, although his hair is kind of like a darkish reddish brownish mm-hmm. it's it sort of looks like it's 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 kind of dark but it, there's like a bit of red in it mm-hmm. you know you can't really tell you know um you know i guess maybe like with fe- as far as features goes um i think his eyes are pretty normal although i think they're kind of like a, a dark hazelnut green that kind of look dark from far but once you get up close you're like oh they're you know hazelnut green mm-hmm and I think the only thing that maybe might stick out a little bit is that his cheekbones are just a little bit too high, but no, no, not like those <laughs> cheekbones I used to draw with for a nightmare. No, not that. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like it, it, he just doesn't have that. You know what I mean? I mean, people will, you know, see and say, okay, I don't know what this guy is, but you know, whatever. They're, mm-hmm. they're not going to think, they're not going to make a big deal about it. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe a little bit, I guess maybe a tad bit like Noriev to a degree. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Noriev was Tartar, right? Yeah, yeah, he was. Okay, he was. okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I always thought he had like, um, I always thought he had interesting features that, you know, it's it's like you're not sure what to make of it. Like, mm-hmm. what what is it, you know? And, um, but you know what I mean? It's not like you're going to instantly make race a big issue because you're just going to think okay this is just a different flavor of white or something you know that makes sense i mean i think nuriev in the united states he would just be considered white right he wouldn't be person of color no he would be okay. considered like white you know sort of and then mm-hmm. like another harder dude like charles bronson oh you know, right yeah yeah bronson I guess because his features were more extreme or something, they always had him playing like Native Americans. Oh or... yeah, I read about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he was yeah. considered white in the U.S. anyways, despite looking Native American-ish. Exactly, he was considered mm-hmm. white. You know, so um, you know that just sort of shows the ambivalence of mm-hmm. you know of those ideas. So, um, so I mean, you know. Gleb is not going to really run into any kind of conflicts or problems. And he doesn't even really think about it. Like, he's like, um, I guess somebody told me I was like half harder. I really don't know. I really mm-hmm. don't care. Um, I guess some people might think, oh, you know, he's got like unusual features or something. But no one's ever going to make a real big deal about it. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's it's like race isn't race or anything like that is not part of it because it never it, it never brings any issues from him mm-hmm. do you think it's a better approach than your previous approach of how race was more in the center i think it is i i do believe it is because i think um well you know uh, how do i say I, I think just one thing i wanted to add before i answer this question him kind of having like those really like non-average slavic features i think it helps him blend in with the cossack community more because cossacks generally speaking weren't like you know fair blonde slavics you know they were mostly like Mm -hmm. like dark ukrainians and things like that you know that makes sense Um, yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so um and then of course you have to remember there's a lot of intermarriage with the 
uh, you know, Caucasian ethnic groups and things like that. Mm -hmm. you know. But, um, but anyway, getting back to the approach of um, race, I think it is a lot better because I think the problem was in the beginning, um, when I was trying to make it solely about race and I went really extreme, like having him, you know, half calm look and then making him look almost entirely calm look. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think it caused a problem of where the race was being used as a plot device and that can be a, a very wrong thing to do. I mean, it's like you want to do the right thing, like, oh, you know, you want more diverse representation or mm -hmm. you think to yourself, I wonder if a person like this, how did they live life back then? Because we never get that kind of perspective. It's usually like mm -hmm, that's true. Like, mm -hmm. you know, very much white folk territory. But um the thing is we don't have enough information available. Trying to fit that story into that narrative doesn't make sense. And you're doing the character a disservice by using using race for politics. I know people are gonna have a field day and get, you know, all mad about it and say you should do it anyway. But no, because you're doing a disservice to the people. Unless you have the information and can make a better story, like say if we <laughs> wanted to make him calm look, like um um, you know, maybe just make it like about him within the community of Kalmuks and maybe try to make it about like uh, how the Kalmuks that separated from the other Kalmuks formed the Don Kalmuks. You could make a really good story out of that. Mm -hmm. But I don't have the resources to do that. And I also feel like me being not associated or or part of that community, I just feel like it would be a little difficult for me to really venture into that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also I don't speak the language either. Cause like, even though technically speaking, most of them, like the whole thing with Russian Federation speaks Russian. I mean, they, they still have their own, you know, language for other historical records and such. And I, I just feel like it's not my, it's not my right to step into that. Mm, I see. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just, you know, a random white, American person. Of course, one might say, well, what gives you the right to do this with, you know, Gleb? But the thing is, Gleb, his race doesn't affect him and he doesn't care mm -hmm. to research mm -hmm. about his other side, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, I agree with your point about not using race as, you know, the focus of the story or as a plot device. I think it it's kind of like being colorblind in a sense. You know how people are like, I don't see your race. But then if you turn race into, you know, the whole point of the story, it's kind of like the opposite side of that, you know? It is. It, kind of like it is. The opposite it is. of saying, hey, I don't see race. It's like, yes, all you see is race and you see everything through the lens of race. And that can also be very problematic in my opinion. I, I agree with you fully on that point. It, it can become extremely problematic because you're making everything about race and then you're denying the character the right to be their own human their own agency mm -hmm. they're just only being there to be kind of an avatar of a single ethnicity or or racial group and, mm -hmm. and that is so that is so wrong to do that and i think that's what um kind of fails in a lot of people trying to do things with diversity and i think that's why mm -hmm. it failed making previously back then andre who is now gleb making him kamuk i think that's what made it fail so bad i don't think it failed so bad it was just that a lot of the time 
I think that it was not finished. You know, you had so many ideas, but they didn't really necessarily lead to any conclusions because you never really finished a lot of the threads in the story. So it's really hard to say whether you quote unquote failed at the diversity thing, because I don't think you really ever finished it. I didn't. And I think, I think also too, it was essentially trying to fit a round peg into a square hole, you know, because we had this whole story of him, like, you know, for example, you know, realistically speaking in a time point and location like that, you know, would it be really possible for a young Kalmuk woman, you know, to, you know, sire a son with a white Russian aristocrat, you know, Mm. that is so slim. And then Mm -hmm. all that happening. And, you know, here's the thing, like, you know, certain times and locations, you know, there's going to be things where interracial things will be more at a higher percentage of Mm -hmm. possibility than others. For example, like I said, um, let's take a look at Cossack communities. There's a lot of intermarriage. Mm -hmm. This is what kind of explains the Cossack ethnic makeup, you know, Mm -hmm. and things like that, you know, because I mean, you'll never know, like, I mean, different Cossack communities could have very different ethnic ethnic genetics when you look at them, you know, Mm -hmm. like some of them could, well, like, for example, like when you read something like Quiet Flows the Dawn, um, the uh, Melanchanoff family, you know, has a lot of Turkish genetics because Mm -hmm. a lot of their ancestors, you know, um, intermarried with, uh, you know, Turkish people. So, you know, um, and so on and so on. But, you know, you're not going to really see that among aristocracy. That's not going to happen. I mean, you know, so that story of all that happening really wouldn't make sense. And it, like you said, there were a lot of threads that were left unfinished. And I think a lot of threads that just weren't, they weren't starting off good to begin with. Mm -hmm. Like knitting, you know, if you don't, like with knitting, if you don't have the first link and chain done right, you know, the rest of it, that's not going to hold. It's just going to fall unravel. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that I personally saw from my perspective as, you know, a non-white and a non-American was that when you first wrote Dusha or Andre as a comic, you really focused on the fact that everyone was pretty much extremely racist towards the fact that he wasn't white. I mean, I, I honestly thought it was a little bit unrealistic because you know, during that time period, people just weren't exposed to other ethnicities. So I think they would just, not, rather, than, than the, rather than be extremely racist, I think they would just be ignorant. And that's not, necess- not, not, not necessarily the same thing as being really racist. That's true. I, I believe you're right in that respect. I mean, racist, you know, when we say the term racist, we think of something that's aggressive and hostile. So technically speaking, I guess if someone like, say, Andre being like half Kalmuk and you know looking very very Kalmuk um I think like you said it probably would be met with ignorance curiosity um you know maybe not really hostile racism Mm -hmm. I mean I think my biggest my biggest take back or take away from it was that I just thought there'd be some some sort of negativity because of the association with the um, like the Mongolian horde thing mm-hmm. and, you know, being kind of seen as a, re- a remnant of that. And mm-hmm. then, um, you know, not 
adhering to like these standards of, you know, conventional, you know, white, you know, phenotypes or like looks, you know what I mean? Like if you don't look white enough, then, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, what, you know, you know, it's always been like that. I mean, you know, in, in a lot of societies, white dominated. Yeah. White yeah. dominated societies. Yeah. I think the main difference would be though, that they're not in the States. I think the states and other like english-speaking countries is where there's a lot of extreme hostile racism towards non-whites i think so i mean i don't know how racism really plays out in russia i mean i'm always hearing stories like oh you know this happened and then like that but you know you have to ask yourself you know is it really race or politics or is it just like race associated with politics as opposed to like a genetic inherent thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i totally agree it's yeah. really hard to say. Yeah, it is. I um should ask, pardon me, hiccups. I should ask my friend in Russia how that all plays out. But, you know, she's not really someone to, she really doesn't put her ear to the ground of politics or race or society. You know, she's mm-hmm. more of a, she's more of a, she's more of an artistic literary type. So mm-hmm. she's not going to be thinking about those things or keeping mm-hmm. her ear on the ground of that, mm-hmm. you know. But yes, in general, like racial relations vary from society to society. And I think that as artists and writers, we should really be more subtle about it rather than just say, hey, this is how America portrays race. And this is how we should put, you know, the American view of race into another story about another country and another society. I don't think that always works. It doesn't. I think that was the problem. I I think I was thinking of race and racism. in the lens of how it is in America. And like you said, that it doesn't, doesn't work. That doesn't apply to every society in every country. It doesn't. And also like different time frames, you know, but um, I guess realistically speaking, um, you know, now that I, I have, you know, like a little bit more information and more logic applied to it. Um, if Gleb had been like uh, half calm look and look very calm look, I, you know, like, like we said, he'd be probably treated with more curiosity and ignorance rather than, you know, you know, literal hatred or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe there might be some dumb, you know, dumb moron who, you know, might have a chip on his shoulder about the Mongolian horde. I don't know no. who would still have that. Mm-hmm. Like, is anybody reading history book? Oh, I don't know. You look like the person who, you know, oppressed my ancestors like 700 years ago or something. Yeah, but realistically, back then, you have to remember, people also didn't have, you know, Instagram or YouTube or even TV. So they they know that people from other countries look different, but would they know it when that person appears in front of them, that this person is equal to that ethnicity? Would they know that? Because they haven't been exposed to it through media or books or anything. That's true, especially like serfs, like in the mm-hmm. surf village that they saw... Um, you know, if they saw Gleb as half calm look, looking very calm look, um, they probably would say, yeah, I wonder who he is. Uh, beats me. And mm-hmm. I, I guess he looks like those people um, down at the plains. I don't, I don't know who they are. Uh, they're weird. I guess he's kind of weird or something. And they're like, nah, he looks weird. And then I, I would, that would be the extent of it, I think, in the surf village. Probably, yeah. Because, I mean back then they didn't really know what other ethnicities looked like right right yeah so they were or books i mean even the books they had didn't have realistic pictures so they wouldn't know yeah yeah so it's like if they were thinking about oh 
being oppressed by Genghis Khan 700 years ago. They're not going to know who Genghis Khan and his uh, his group looked like. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's not like they have a history book. Like, hey, this looks a lot like that kid, you know. And yeah. I mean, well, that in itself is, you know, damn, damnably racist to say that. But, you know, they're not going to think that. They're just going to think, uh, I guess from somewhere over there with the, some folks or something and all that so i i think realistically speaking that's how that's probably how it would go down but i don't i don't think it fits that i don't think it fits the narrative of gleb anymore i think gleb is not about race or anything like that anymore not not that that would be the case even if he was a uh, comic but um I, I just think it's better now how he's how he how he's developed and mm-hmm. um and you know like I said I mean being half Tartar I think maybe I, I think here's the thing I think people like the Cossacks and people who are more in the countryside and more in close proximity with Tartars are gonna be like uh yeah whatever you know they don't even think about it I think the only people that are gonna like really notice like hmm might be I don't know like some dumb shits in St. Petersburg. <laughs> or something, you know? Okay, I see. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. I don't want to have another Galman. <laughs> oh <know>? no, <laughs> not that guy. No, I actually thought he was cool though. The the way that he fanboyed over him. Oh, I didn't remember he... that. I actually just recalled that he was just really happy all the time. What else yeah, he... was there about okay. him? Well, the. Galman was a little problematic because he, because this was when Andre, Gleb as Andre was cal, half calm up. He thought, oh my gosh, he, he's so exotic, well not, not exotic, <laughs> but so exotic looking, like oh my gosh, he's so handsome, like oh he looks like a prince from the east, you know. Oh like, really? I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's like, oh, oh okay, so he's like the resident orientalist. <laughs> he's a resident orientalist, he's got, he's got god bless the he's got bitten by the fever bug you know <laughs> and, that was funny though I, I thought it was funny <laughs> yeah it was and, and and he's like oh my gosh i can already imagine wearing those lavish mongolian clothes like a glorious prince on a horse with arrows and stuff <laughs> oh okay i see so that was what all what galnan was about because i don't yeah, remember, galnan, yeah yeah and i i think he also had a man crush on him like too much of a man crush <laughs> <laughs> didn't multiple people have a man crush on him yeah they did it was kind of weird i I think a couple of his men probably had a man crush on him and oh, like Sidorenko, so he, that's his name that was the, the the guy who looks like mayakovsky yeah uh-huh <laughs> But we I'm don't need we don't need Sidorenko anymore because we have Andre. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't Andre. need two guys who look like Mayakovsky, right? No, no we don't. Much. We don't. We we don't need Sidorenko anymore. In fact, it was thanks to Sidorenko we got the the, the That's the, true. The yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And um yeah, so I mean the only person I think that's gonna maybe do a double take and think, oh, you know, Gleb looks kind of unusual. It's probably going to be some really pampered, sheltered, um, educated slash kind of ignorant, um, basic white aristocrat woman from St. Petersburg if she sees him. Oh, okay. Yeah. But so what is she, like the Karen, the, the alternate Karen of this? Yeah, the, the, the Moscow, uh, like ninth, um 18th century Moscow version of Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to where you came from. 
I don't think she'd be racist though. I'm like joking. she'd be, she she'd probably she'd probably have a bit of Galvin syndrome, which you think, OMG, he looks so exotic with his dark brooding eyes, kind of like that dumbass reporter that was kind of making those weird ass comments about uh, the baritone Varostovsky. Oh really? There was remember, such a person. Remember, oh, I think you showed me the article years ago. I just, like, making those comments, I thought, what? What do you mean, cold hooded Tartar are like? What, what Sounds like a racial stereotype. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I agree. You know, Vorostovsky's a hot, good-looking man. You know, may he rest in peace. Amen. But you don't need to describe him like that. You made him sound like something out of a bad film about Genghis Khan or something. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, so probably some dumb, some dumb, you know, aristocrat woman from St. Petersburg is going to think that Gleb looks exotic or something, but I don't think Gleb's going to run into many of those, and I mean, even if he did, I think he'd probably be very, um, very tempted to run over them with his horse or something. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> he definitely wouldn't be chivalrous towards them. So another question I have is, what do you think you've really, you learned over the last couple of years about this story? Like, what do you think, you know, that you've learned about story development from working on this story? I think it's, it's taught a number of lessons. I think the main one is, is to not always try to cram unnecessary elements. That's the first lesson. Um, of tragedy. You know, you don't have to make everything so extreme. That's not always realistic. I think a lot of times we try to make the world darker and crazier than it is in the wrong time and the wrong places. Um, and then, of course, we have the end version of that where we try to white coat, sugarcoat things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another lesson I've learned is to be more willing to look up more information, be more willing to adapt to certain things that may not fit what you wanted in the narrative. Because a lot of times what you don't want initially and what you figure, well, I'll compromise and do this, it actually makes everything a lot better than it was before. Mm -hmm. And then I think the the final lesson I've taken away from this um, is not to let the character become plot devices or contrivances for audience feels let them be their own agents even if it's you know something that doesn't really necessarily benefit the story but what people are going to remember is when when they're reading a book or or something like that in the format they're going to remember the characters they're not going to so much focus on the plot although the plot is important um, I think what people want in a story like that, they want good characters. They just mm-hmm, don't want mm-hmm. fancy plot. You know, that's why, you know, for example, people don't watch Marvel movies for characters. I know there's dumb people on Tumblr that are going to say otherwise, but most people just watch Marvel for plots. They're not going to watch it because <laughs> suddenly Thor is a very deep character, you know. Well, they do it for shipping, though. Well, yeah, but this is mostly people who are imagining things on, you know, AO3, you know. That's true. But they watch the movies to, in order to imagine, right, I think? Yeah, that's true. But they're going to look at plots. Like, for example, I don't think Marvel characters are uh, uh, at all that extraordinarily deep. I don't know. Maybe Loki's got something going for him. But everybody else is about has about the mo- most most 
I shouldn't say it, but I'll say it anyway, about the depth of the pan. I think it's just genre of the thing that limits it, right? I mean, it's supposed to be a blockbuster, so I can't judge it too harshly because most blockbusters are designed like that. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that you really can't apply that to writing. You know, I mean, yeah, maybe it might make a cool plot for people to read. And it's like young adult stuff. You know, mm -hmm. that's what young adult fiction is, really. Mm -hmm. It's just good, you know, like, oh, elaborate plots. You know, this happened and then that happened. And then she did this, but he said that. And, and that's all mm -hmm. fine and dandy, but the characters are about as bland as a fried egg. I think Twilight's an exception. <laughs> Because I don't think there was a plot. I mean, the characters, I mean, no offense, they were not that great, but at least they kind of had a personality, but there was no plot in Twilight. It was just them getting together and then like something about her turning into a vampire at the end. But it took three books for her to become a vampire. Yeah, and then I guess everybody remembers about that kid and that werewolf. <laughs> but there wasn't really a story per se. It was just the characters interacting. Yeah, that's true. I mean... Like Twilight Defense League. <laughs> the Twilight Defense League. I'm sorry. But, yeah, but seriously, Twilight is not the kind of book that you read for the plot. You read it for the quote-unquote character interaction, or is it for the, the the love triangle? I think. I think it's for the love. I mean, I guess for young adults, like oh, love triangle, Edward and Team Edward, Team Jacob. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just, I, I just, Such a long I, time ago. Such a long yeah, time. Ago. That was like 10 years ago. Like, yeah, we're old. Yeah, we're old. We're, we remember those old wars. <laughs> the old Twilight War. Yeah, but like young people these days, they read like stuff that's way less, I don't know, stupid, I think. Because like, I think a lot of the books coming out for kids now are more like queer friendly and not just like, <laughs> like Twilight, which was not queer friendly, had like no queer representation exactly or his dark materials which had like the worst queer representation <laughs> oh, God. the angels it was so yeah. oh so stereotypical oh. it couldn't get any worse <laughs> oh, good god and, and, and pullman wants to call himself progressive I thought, well he's you. old though so i kind of forgive him because he wrote it in the 90s and there was no queer representation back then no, that, that's like 75 true. right now yeah that's true that's true i mean I mean, uh, I guess the only one we can't forgive is, is Rowling with her dumb thing. Oh, Dumbledore was gay. Like, oh, wow. What, what evidence was that? I thought he was pretty damn straight. It was gay. just queer baiting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they tried so hard to put stuff in it, but like, it's just like, oh, yeah, by the way, Hermione might be black. <laughs> but or the like, cover, no, like, the cover does not show that. It does not. No, no, it doesn't. And then, like, I think with that Fantastic Beast pe prequel, they were trying to put like shipping between Dumbledore and some other dude. I forget. And Grindelwald. Grindelwald. Yeah, Grindelwald. And and then like Jude Law and I guess Johnny Depp are trying to like give each other eyes or something. I really? I didn't even see that. I, I saw oh some gosh. clips from it, but then again, I don't know. Johnny Depp's insane. <laughs> oh yeah, he he's like a you know he beat his wife, right? Uh, I don't know. They said what that his wife do? beat him. Oh, so God. I have no happening. idea what happened. I just know he's Maybe problematic now. Huh? He's canceled. He's ca well, no, but now now they say he's not canceled. Oh, because, really? Yeah, because they said that his wife was beating him. So I have oh, no idea. Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Depp is just weird. I don't, I've never really liked him in anything. Why does Tim Burton use him for every damn thing? 
I was pretty pissed off with that Dark Shadows adaptation. If they wanted to get somebody to play Barnabas Collins, they could have got Jeremy Irons, but they didn't. So mm, I've seen. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us today. You know, this was an excellent interview and we learned so much about your writing process and how you've developed Andre or now Gleb over the years. Well, thank you so much. I, I'm really honored to be a part of this uh, interview. Thank you for asking me all these wonderful questions. It was very articulate. We had a very rewarding interview and I thank you so much for your thoughtful and articulate questions. All right. Till next time. Till next time. See you. Thank you. See you. Bye. Bye.